from Relay FM, this is Upgrade and the third annual Upgradies. My name is Mike Hurley. Today's show, today's special episode, is brought to you by our fine sponsors, Encapsula, Casper, and Squarespace. Mr. Jason Snell, we did it. This is the third Upgradies. Can you believe that? It's crazy. Uh, you you sound so happy. I'm happy so New excited. Year, by the way. Happy, happy New, New Year. Year. Happy New Year to everybody out there in uh, Upgradian land. I'm mm-hmm. so excited. Like I know. This is just one of those little things. It was a silly idea that one of us had <laughs> uh, to fill up something at the end of the year. And uh-huh. now it's become what I consider to be a landmark in the podcast calendar is when will the Upgradies happen? And the great upgrade is annual tradition. Right it is a yeah. great annual tradition. Yes, I agree. So here we are. We have uh, all of our categories are returning from last year. Um, mm-hmm. And we have some great nominees. And as we mentioned on the show, this was the first time that we have allowed the Upgradians to have their literal say in how the Upgradies will go. So the way that we're going to do this, we're going to go through every category, list all of the nominees, maybe talk about them a little bit if they're interesting. Some of the nominations, are there are some interesting nominations in here. Um, and then we're going to go through who the Upgradians picked, so what they wanted to win the Upgradian, and then me and you are going to then talk about what our personal votes for the winner are. And then between the two of us, we will decide who takes home the trophy. So we will start the proceedings today with the best overall iOS application. The nominees for this app are Tweetbot, Airmail, Narwhal, Workflow, 1Password, Overcast, Fantastical, Scrivener, Transmit, Castro, Ferrite. They are the top nominees. Now, the Upgradians, Mr. Snell, they voted with a 38% for Overcast with... One password coming in second place and workflow coming in third place. Well, did you know that one, this is a little fact you may not be aware of, 100% of podcast listeners listen to podcasts. That is true. But, you know, I will say that that we we have two podcast applications in our nomination list and only one of them went away with such a big lead. Um, Castro got, uh, unfortunately, only 2% of the vote which I feel kind of sad about. So yeah. what is your uh, what is your pick for the best overall iOS app of the year? Um, I am going to pick... <laughs> I'm tempted to pick something that is not on the list because there were some, <laughs> there were some late-breaking, late-breaking mm-hmm. uh, changes. Um, so I'm going... But I, I, I will... So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a shout-out to an app that I didn't put on the list because I felt it was like a little esoteric, but that I do love which is Ferrite. I've talked about it before. Audio editor for iOS. Ferrite it's fantastic. is in there. Very, very low down. Yeah, Ferrite with uh, 0.7% of the votes. Ah, so you you did mention Ferrite. I didn't hear you mention Ferrite. I did. Well, it, there was such a long list, I'm not surprised. But yeah, Ferrite had 0.4% of, right. uh, 0.7% of the, uh, of the Upgradians yeah. vote. Well, and that's what you're going to pick as your iOS app of the year? I'm going to pick, I'm going to, I'm going to, for now, I'm going to say it's a tie. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Can I do ties? You sure? Am I allowed Why to not? do ties? We, we make the rules here, so. Okay. Uh, so for now, I, if I have to break this tie later, I will, but I, it's a tie between Ferrite, mm-hmm. the audio editor that's great, and Scrivener. Ooh, okay. The fantastic uh, long form writing tool, which after many, many years of hope that it would come to iOS, came to iOS and is not uh, half 
halfway done. It is a full, completed, uh, fully functional uh, uh, writing app, and it's it's great. And I, I'm impressed. And it syncs, and it syncs with the desktop version, and all the you know all the important features are there, and it's very impressive. So into category one, we're only at category one, and we're already going to have a problem. Yeah, almost certainly, but that's yep. that's fine. That's this is fine. how the upgrades uh, go. Think, think about what I do, Mike. Right, mm-hmm. I do podcasts and I write, and yep. so I picked a podcast app and a writing app. It was going to happen. It's inevitable. So what do you, what do you have? Workflow. Now, the it's reason that I've picked Workflow as the best overall iOS application because I think throughout this entire list of apps, Workflow is the one that has just gotten better and better over time, more consistently. Like all of these applications that we've listed, they're in this list year after year because they continue to get better. But the rate at which workflow is improving is kind of astounding to me. Like their recent addition of the ability to hook into web APIs. You know, like for for people that really heavily use workflow, this is such a huge advancement. Like I I think that this application is a must-have application for anybody that wants to do anything other than just consumption on their iPad. Like just some of this, the basic functions that it unlocks for you, once you really kind of understand how to use it, is incredible. You know, like I've spoken many times about my frustration with rich text on iOS. Now, but Workflow allows me to get around some of these things by allowing me to convert. So say, for example, I want to send an email to somebody, I can use, I can use Workflow to convert Markdown to rich text and open it up in an email. There's just mm. no other way I can do that on iOS or like taking a web page and turning it into a PDF. Like there are so many things that workflow can do that mean that you don't have to buy other applications. Like there are standalone applications that you can buy in the app store to take a web page and turn it into a PDF, or you can just play around with workflow and build it yourself. And I don't think that there are many applications that are in the club that workflow is in of just like complete top tier for iOS apps. And they just continue to make it better and better over time. I, I will also highly recommend the um, the Canvas podcast series yep. about workflow that Fraser and Federico have done. Yep. That is really great and in-depth, multi-part series about how it works. And my only criticism about workflow is that I wish that they had more documentation. Like sometimes yeah. I look yeah. at some of the, the blocks that they've got. Um, and I wonder exactly how they work and there's kind of no way to look that up and that can be frustrating. And I end up going to Federico and Fraser and saying, what does this do? And they tell me, but that, that part, I wish that they were, Mm -hmm. I I wish they were better at, at, uh, at documenting what everything does. So, but luckily there are resources, you know, go to relay.fm slash canvas and they have a Mm -hmm. whole series that they've been working on for like the last three or four months, like building up from basics all the way up to like the web API stuff that you yeah. can do with workflow. So go check that out. So we have now for our consideration right at the top tier, kind of I guess the second stage, workflow, ferrite, scrivener, and overcast to pick mm-hmm. from. In grand upgrade's tradition though, oftentimes we will we will reach a compromise where one of us will oh, yeah. will will agree, right? Mm-hmm. We we do our initial picks. This is how this just to set it out there for people who don't remember. Uh, we we will we will often come to a, a compromise agreement about what the upgradey yep. choice is. Well, there can be only one winner, so a compromise must be found. Yes, so I agree. My my initial argument would be Scrivener is very new, so like giving it the overall iOS app pick over the newcomer pick mm. 
is interesting. However, yes. I don't want Scrivener to be the newcomer either because I have my own thoughts no. there. <laughs> Sometimes being mentioned, being nominated is an honor, being mentioned as a finalist is an honor, and then winning is yet another honor. And you don't mm-hmm. have to have all the honors. You don't. I, I am happy to support your choice of workflow for the Upgrading for Best iOS app because I think you made a strong case and I agree with you. Great. I think it's a fantastic app. So congratulations to Workflow. You are the best overall iOS app upgradey winner. Which takes us to our next category, which I just teased, which is the best newcomer iOS application. Mm-hmm. So this is the iOS app released in 2016 that is considered to be the best. And on that list of nominees, we have Airmail, Bear, Truecaller, Castro, Scrivener, Swift Playgrounds, Xfinity TV. Now, there are two applications on here that most people probably have no idea what they are, and they're both mine and Jason's potentially esoteric picks. So mm-hmm. I will explain Truecaller. Okay. Um, do you remember when iOS 10, it brought around this new API that people can hook into the phone? Like you yeah. can do things, like maybe voice over IP, but you also had access to the call list. Truecaller is an application that I found that I absolutely love, which is a spam caller notification system. So I can get a phone call from a known spam call, like robocall, and it just shows up when someone's calling me to tell me that they're spam. Or if I go to a missed call on my phone, I can open the, like via the share sheet, so you just like share contact and put it into Truecaller, and it will tell me who it is and if it's been reported as spam. I love it because I get so many of these robocalls, and because I have my phone on Do Not Disturb, most of the time these calls never come to me. So I can just check them in my missed calls and know that there's no point dealing with it because it's like a scam caller or whatever. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So that that's yeah, my pick. So what good. is what is Xfinity TV? I, so I am a, a Comcast cable subscriber, and after many months of complaining about how their app for iOS was terrible, they released this new app. And I mean, I, I put on the list because again, honor just to be mentioned in the list, right? Um, I'm not going to pick it, but it's a pretty amazing piece of work because it provides when when I'm out of the house, it provides access to any TV show that I have uh, that I'm allowed access outside of the house, and there's some licensing restrictions there. When I'm in my house, it makes my iPhone or iPad essentially no different than a TV attached to a cable box. I can watch live TV from any channel anywhere in my house on that device and it supports picture in picture that's pretty great Mm. that's pretty good that was like for me that was like the moment where i thought yes finally this is working exactly as i had hoped it always would if i want to be out in the backyard in the hammock on a summer day and have some channel on while i'm reading something or whatever it is like picture in picture live tv uh, on demand stuff whatever it's all there Um, and that, that's, for me, that's what the TV experience on an iOS device should be like. So full credit to Xfinity. They, they actually made it happen. And, you know, people can complain about some of the restrictions. Like when you leave your home, you don't get to see all that stuff. And yeah, that's dumb, but that, that all comes down to deals with the the content providers and uh, they're inconsistent. And as Apple has found, that's a tough thing to do. But I have to say in the home and from a a pure technology standpoint they did a really great job it's a good app so that's why i mentioned it that sounds good i wish i had something like that right i mean i don't have cable but like i I can see that if i 
I would like something like that, right? Like I've always lusted after a sling or something. Yeah. Yeah. If you subscribe to a TV service, it should be like this where you can see the channels yep. and you can see what you can you can get on demand and you can start playing anything at any time and put it in picture in picture if you want on your iPad and uh, and this does that. So but that's not my choice. So the Upgradians, they voted with 34% of the vote for Swift Playgrounds. Yeah. I've never That's really used it, so I can't I can't comment on it. But that I mean, I'm happy that it exists, right? Like I'm happy with the idea of this application existing because of hopefully what I consider to be the groundwork of more developer tools coming to iOS in the future, which I think is an important step. Um, but I will go with my pick first, and my pick for the best newcomer is Airmail. Um, I think Airmail has its faults. It is not a perfect application. And I think part of the reason that it has some weird parts, some bugs and, and some stuff that doesn't work as as reliably as you would like is because it came out of the gate so powerful for an email application on iOS. Um, I haven't found any app that comes close to what Airmail can do. And like Workflow, they have updated this application very consistently um, I am on the beta now and they have some amazing things coming soon like this application just gets stronger and stronger and this is an app that has a million settings but for me as somebody who is so reliant on email I'm kind of okay with that because I get to make email my email app be the way that I want it to be like one of my one of the things that I really love in in powerful email applications is one setting, and no other email app on iOS has this except for Airmail, which is to not mark a message as unread until it is acted upon. Like if I read a message but don't do anything with it, it still remains unread. And I really like that. That works for my system. And I've always wanted an, an iOS email app that would do this. There are a bunch of Mac apps that will do this. I think even Apple's Mail app will do this on on the Mac, but nothing does it on iOS except Airmail. But this is an example of the like super niche case stuff that you can find in Airmail. But I think that that kind of thing, that kind of level of, of strange control you can have is kind of okay in an email application because it everybody does it differently. And it has all of the features that you'd want and it has a clear business model as well. You pay for the application. Uh, and and I like that because there are not a lot of email applications that people use that that are built that way. So it's going to be Airmail for me, Jason. It's a good po- good uh, good pick. I like it a lot. Um, my choice in this category, it's the year of Swift Playgrounds. Okay, I pick Swift Playgrounds as well. Yeah, I think we're going to have to give it Swift Playgrounds. If if mm. you if you pick it along with our, the the vast majority I got from our listeners, there's there's it's got to be that. Um, again, like I really appreciate Swift play- Playgrounds, but I couldn't cast my vote for it because I haven't really spent any time with it. And and I have, I I really um, I'm very impressed with it. You know, it is as a the the, the lessons I, I can't be I can't comment on it from perspective of like a an Apple. Uh, app developer uh, that trying to use the playground features of it to to work on kind of like app ideas or things like that but from the pure it's an educational tool they built all of these different lessons to show people how to program and how to program in swift Uh, they did a great job the 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 lessons are impressive and uh, it's a great 
you know, it's an iPad only app. It's a great use of the iPad and we're champions of the iPad, you and I. And this is an example. I mean, this is one of the major things that Apple did for the iPad in 2016 as well was really Swift Playgrounds. But I think it's I think it's a great uh, a great app, a great educational resource. And uh, I you know, this is if there was a big, you know, a big story, especially on the iPad in terms of uh, new apps this year. I, I mean, I think it's the year of Swift Playgrounds. I think with Swift Playgrounds, it's going to be, like, without a shadow of a doubt. There so, you go. There you go. The, our best newcomer iOS application of 2016, Swift Playgrounds. We move on to the best overall Mac app. Um, unfortunately, the two Mac app categories we have have a lot less nominees than iOS. It's funny how that happens. Yeah. We have 1Password, Final Cut Pro 10, Fantastical, BB Edit, Keyboard Maestro, and Audio Hijack. Up there. The Upgradians voted with a 48% <laughs> for one password. Yeah. With well, Final Cut Pro and then other coming in at 11.8%. Uh, I don't think that our listeners were happy with uh, the, the nominees that we put in here. but Well, it says something that the one that, that, uh, that got the most votes is, is Universal. In a way, uh, going to the idea of like everybody uses their Mac for these different purposes that are very specific, I feel like this isn't surprising that one password cuts across. It's a utility that cuts across sort of everybody's use cases. Mm -hmm. And so that makes it different. What's your vote? I am going to vote for Audio Hijack. And I know, mm. again, I'm a, I'm a podcast person, so I have yep. I have reason to do it. But Audio Hijack, which was uh, the new version was released, version three was released last year. Uh, or sorry, two years ago now. Wow, I'm still writing 2016 on all my checks. Um, the uh, released in 2015, it completely redesigned, and this year I've just come to appreciate it even more. I use it for anything involving not even just recording, but routing audio around my Mac. Um, I'm I'm running it right now. You're hearing me everybody through a recording done via audio hijack just the whole the whole design of it and functionality it can do almost anything i use it for my transcripts for analyst calls because it's got a basically like a dvr mode where it'll record the live audio and then let me pause it and and back up and go forward again which is pretty great with a system-wide uh keystroke um i know it's an esoteric utility but for me it is it is my it is my favorite uh, I have to say, in in terms of being new and flashy and fun, and I use all of the apps on this list, and they're all great. But I I decided that I would I would give my extra shout out to Audio Hijack. I'm going with Final Cut Pro 10. Mm. Now Solid. I have used Final Cut for a while for some basic stuff, but having got into the vlogging stuff, I have come to understand what a pro application can be. Final Cut Pro. 10. I know it, it, that a lot of people didn't like it when it came about because it was new, but everything that is new about it, I'm sure, is what I love about it. It is a good-looking application with clear, understandable user interface that doesn't hide everything. And everything that I use with it, I love it. And one of the things that I find so interesting about Final Cut is if I have an idea for something that I want to do, I can find a way to do it in that app. Because as well as everything being nice and clear, Apple's documentation is incredible for Final Cut. You Google anything, this isn't, I have not found this with any other level of pro application, especially that Apple makes. 
no matter what I Google or how I Google it, like how do I do X in Final Cut, I will find an Apple support document that tells me how to do it, let alone the tutorials on YouTube that you find. Um, so I I have found Final Cut Pro 10 to be fantastic to work with over the last few months. Um, and I, I would have no consideration to try and use anything else, which isn't the same for Logic, right? So we use Logic for audio production. And every now and then I think to myself, shall I learn Audition like Adobe's? I don't feel that way about Final Cut because no. Final Cut is solid. Uh, it's a great app. I agree. The you know a lot of the knock on Final Cut Pro 10 was that the professionals who were used to the old method of using Final Cut didn't like it, and I totally get that, right? And I'm yeah, not because it's what you know. And I'm not a professional video editor, right? But mm-hmm. like you, I'm somebody who I mean I've been editing video since I was a teenager in various forms. I was editing video back when it, we you would attach two VCRs together, and then we finally got a controller that let you control the two VCRs. But they, right, I mean I've been editing video in different forms for a very long time. But I'm not a professional, you know, film or TV video editor or anything like that. Final Cut Pro, anything I can think of that I want to do, it basically will do. And I can put something together very quickly um, and get it to look more or less exactly like I want just in a staggeringly short amount of time, like drag this in, drop it there, resize it, slide it up there, have it animate and move from here to here and all that. I can do that really fast in Final Cut Pro. And generally I can figure out, I mean, some of it is esoteric, but I can figure out a lot of it just by kind of clicking around, just being a Mac user, I can figure out where everything is and how to use it. That's pretty amazing. So, I mean, for that, I do the Total Party Kill videos with it, where I've often got, like, multiple cropped versions of different parts of the video stream, and they pop on and off and stuff like that, and and it's not a problem. I did that, uh, the, the Cars and Trucks video that I did um, a couple of weeks ago, that that was um, that was all, you know, Final Cut, and the, Final Cut was not the problem right it was if final cut was the easy part because it yeah. made everything that i was doing easy it just I, yeah i agree with you so where are we going to go for winner now i would say that that i would happily put a vote in for audio hijack as well uh i use it every day um and i use it for some basic things but it's a great app there's some stuff that i wished it could do that it doesn't do yeah like i i really wish that i could just live stream directly from audio hijack I know. I've talked to Paul Kafasis at Rogue Amoeba about that, and because they've got a separate product, right? Nicecast. I wish mm-hmm. that they would just, um, you know, yeah, they would just sell a way sell, to integrate that, sell Nicecast, and let it be a plugin yeah. or something like that. I think there's a business model problem there, honestly, which is that that's a separate product that's got a separate price, and they don't want to pay in that purchase. I would give them whatever they need, you know. <laughs> I think the challenge is I don't think they want to force people who only use Nicecast to also buy audio hijack mm. yeah. but uh, but i know they've got they've got three amazing utilities and i wish they all kind of worked out of the same interface instead of sort of in separate places um but i i do love that and i'll i'll, I'll agree with the listeners too one password i use it every day i can't imagine um using my mac without it and yep. on the new touch bar macbook pro let me tell you once you've unlocked your one password lock on a Mac with your fingerprint. Well, you do that on iOS, right? Once you do that on your Mac with a fingerprint and then you go back to a like an iMac or something like that, um, it's, it feels wrong. I'm like, oh, I've got to enter my password again, right? Like, you get used to it really quickly. They did a great job of integrating, right, you know, day one, basically, with, uh, with a Touch ID sensor on the MacBook Pro. 
So my feeling, like, I mean, I could also go for, for 1Password, right? Because it's the same thing. It's like it's one of my favorite applications. But it's everywhere. And I really want to give this award to a Mac app. Yeah. Right, like 1Password does and can exist on every platform, which is why it makes it so useful. But there's just something about, like, with the discourse of last year, which is obviously going to continue about the Mac and where is the Mac going. Like, I feel like I want to give the upgrade to a shining star of Mac development. Like, an application that can only exist on the Mac and does a great job using everything that the Mac is good for. Yeah, well, and this is my conflict here is that I think this is the year where you started doing lots of video and I'm doing more video. And so on that level, this is the year where it would be perfect for us to pick Final Cut. At the same time, picking an Apple product, you know, we can do it. No, I'm I'm happy for Audio Hijack. Seriously. But but, but this is what I'm saying is, but Audio Hijack from a Mac developer and it's, let's not forget... It's doing things that, I got to say, like half of what Audio Hijack does, at least, the system should do. It's fixing problems that Apple have in the system of audio. Because Apple Apple doesn't care about audio stuff in its operating systems, apparently. Because they do, they do, I, it is mind-boggling to me that you can't, you know, route application audio in mac os as a mm-hmm. basic thing but you've never been able to do it it's just never been a thing and audio hijack does it with a few clicks so all right let's do it audio hijack you are the winner of the upgrade for best mac application Woo! in 2016 i feel good about that one i feel good about that good. one. best newcomer mac app is sponsored by our <laughs> friends over at encapsula the cloud service that makes your website faster and safer. Encapsula have a worldwide network that inspects every packet that comes and goes from your website, blocking attacks against your site whilst delivering your content to your customers faster. Every day, websites of all sizes are attacked. Criminals use botnets to scrape website content. They try to break into databases and bring sites down with denial of service attacks. On the performance side, your visitors want your website to load quickly and reliably. Sites that take multiple seconds to load can turn people away. And if your site is down or unavailable, people are just going to go elsewhere, unfortunately. We are, in this day and age, I mean, I know I'm guilty of it. I will have no patience for a website that doesn't load quickly. And Encapsula solves and prevents these problems for you. They employ a powerful global network to filter out and block all the bad stuff, leaving your website and your customers unaffected. As a listener of this show, you can get a whole month of service at Encapsula for free. You just need to go to incapsula.com slash upgrade. That is incapsula.com slash upgrade. This is where you'll find out more and claim your free month. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. So the nominees for Best Newcomer Mac Application are mm. Bear Notes, Siri, Loopback, <laughs> Air Sonos, and I don't even know if we can count this one, but you put it in, a yeah. beta, a closed beta of an application <laughs> called yeah. Forecast. Uh-huh. Now, give me, give me your pick, and then we can go into somebody's in a bit more detail. Um, well, my pick is Forecast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Figuring it probably won't win. And it's totally unfair because this is not a product anybody can get yet. 
But I checked with the developer, and even though it's a private beta, the developer has talked about it enough publicly that I can at least mention it. So Forecast is is Marco Arment's Mac app. <laughs> yep. That, that, like, I'm going to learn how to be a Mac developer. And as a podcast person, again, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to represent everybody here. I'm trying to... Rep- We're biased in our picks based on our work. Totally. Totally. And that's just... that's These are the upgradees, right? These are not... The, you know, from a staff of 20, these are it's two the podcasters. 80s. Exactly right. Exactly right. I got my Eddie Award behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, which everybody asked me, what did I win it for? And the answer is I won it for running the Eddie Awards for like 15 years. That's how <laughs> I won it. Best Eddie Award coordinator. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, what Forecast is, and I hope Marco finishes it and releases it, because I think it's very good and I think it's releasable soon. I think he maybe just doesn't want to do the... He's working on on other projects and I think that he doesn't want to be distracted by support, honestly. And that's the challenge with a lot of apps that scratch the developer's itch is when they get them working to their satisfaction, there is this moment of like, I could just keep this myself and not have to answer to other people and fix the bugs that they find that are weird um, if it always works for me. But uh, it's an app for tagging and encoding uh, podcast files, basically. So you drag a, you can either drag on an MP3 and uh, update the tags, or you can drag on a wave or an AIFF, the output that comes out, for, in my case, from Logic, the, the edited version, and you drag it in, and you can set the um, encoding quality um, mm-hmm. and it actually encodes in the background so if you've got it set to a sort of the one you always use and when you drag it in it starts encoding it in the background and then meanwhile while it's doing that you can put in the name it tries to guess based on the file name like here's the art you want to use and here's probably the name and here's probably the number and you fill in the title and you write in the description and if you've got uh, if you've got cha- uh, chapter markers in logic uh, it puts those down or you can add them or edit them so you edit chapter marks as a part of this too and then you be- basically press command S and you get your podcast mp3 out and it's uh it's pretty good there's some bugs because it's a beta the chapter editing support is weird and i mentioned it to marco and he said oh yes i should use that feature <laughs> but <laughs> because he's using it directly from logic and occasionally I have to add chapter markers after the fact but uh it's pretty great it will be a great utility for any mac podcast uh creator out there when it is released to the public and i hope that is uh in 2017 if you noticed the um, the shows that I produce, if you noticed the metadata get better, like episode artwork and uh, all of the metadata being put in the ID3 tags and all that stuff, it's because I use Forecast to encode every yeah. single show that I'm a part of. I, yeah. I think I am the, maybe maybe me and you will, will tie for this, the biggest stress tester of yeah. Forecast. Uh, and I have broken it in many interesting ways. Like I have too. A three-hour podcast will kill it. Well, it used to, uh, but I fi- I help Marco. So will fix a two-minute-long podcast. Yep. It turns out, um, and <laughs> you know what? Again, whilst I will underscore that it is unfair to put this in here because people can't. It get totally it, is. I would it's not win. cast my vote for it, but I won't based on the grounds that it's not publicly available. Yeah, um, I agree. And also, any chapters that you ever see put into a show uh, because of forecast, it's the easiest way that I've found to do it because. You tag the chapters in in the logic project, and then it reads them, um, which yeah. I think is fantastic. Um, again, and I will just once, whilst we're talking about chapters, just mention I put chapters in when I think chapters are needed. I don't think chapters are needed in every episode of every show ever made. Yeah. Anyhow. Email Mike. <laughs> don't yep. email Mike. Don't email me. 
don't email anybody because you can give me your argument, but it's not going to change my opinion. Like, it's, it's just my opinion. I understand yeah. why they're there, but I just, I really don't think that yep. chapters for every topic in every tech show is worth the time with the producer for the amount of people that use them. That's my personal opinion on this. Anyway, anyway. Uh, I'm going to pick bare notes huh? because it's great. On the Mac and on iOS, it's my new Markdown text editor. I don't use it as a notes application. There are some things that it doesn't do very well, like conflicts, which Apple Notes does perfectly. It deals with conflicts without even shaking. But uh, Bear will add new notes in as conflicts, which is the worst way to deal with conflicts. But for what I use it for, which is to write the scripts for our podcast ads, it's perfect because I'm able to tag things really easily so that are able, I'm able to find them. I can tag them by sponsor. I can tag them by month and year. So it's all sorted nicely, like into these little buckets, which I can pull from. Um, and it's just, it's really great. I'm able to, one of my favorite features, uh, let's say I write some content, but I need to put it into the system later. I will make a new task in OmniFocus to add it to the system and I can grab a URL of the bare note so I can just click the URL and in, in OmniFocus it takes me right to the note. Just simple things like that. It's a, it's a really nicely put app. Those are great themes. Uh, you can use some great fonts. It's very, very nice. So, um, Actually, I, I didn't mention. Did I mention that Bear was the Upgradian winner as well? No, you didn't. It won with thirty-two percent of the votes, with Siri winning at twenty-nine percent. Although <laughs> I don't actually think Siri counts as an app, but I know why. I don't. Put it I in don't there. think so. Um, what is Air Sonos? So Air Sonos is not an app. <laughs> sort of it's a a bunch of scripts that you install. I wrote about it at Six Colors that you install, and it allows you to AirPlay to Sonos ah, speakers. Ah, that's that's very useful, actually. And but, I wish yeah. somebody would bundle it together as like a Mac app that you could run, but it's one of these open source projects mm. where there's a script running, and so you basically have to run it from the terminal, and it's not very <laughs> no friendly. <bueno. laughs> but it, no bueno. But it, it totally works, and it's great. Um, and I just, I have it, you know, what, what you have to do, you say no bueno, but what basically you do is you create a terminal command document that like, and put it in your startup items. I don't even know it, what term, a terminal command uh, okay, document well. is. Okay, oh, you well. Know? Bless, bless your heart. I know. Uh, and then I'm from a different the other, age. <laughs> the other app that's in here is Loopback, which I just wanted to mention, which is also Rogue Amoeba. This is another piece of their uh, of their puzzle of audio apps. 10% of the votes for Loopback. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's all of our friends who make podcasts, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, an um, again the system should support this which is uh being able to have virtual inputs and outputs so that you can arbitrarily say i want to put my output over there and and route it in here and loop back adds a piece of the puzzle that is not uh provided by audio hijack uh that that adds to the uh just it's yet another thing that adds to your audio flexibility if you ever do anything involving audio on the mac it's another another option that gives you even more power and uh, it was it was needed. There have been some other utilities that do this. Some of them broke when we went to, I want to say Lion broke, like all the audio utilities. And it's been a long claw back to um, getting stuff available. Yeah. And then there's some that are out there now that do this. Not very gracefully. I, I, yeah, I've had yeah, interface. Like Soundflower. Yeah. Way. There's, there's interface confusion problems that Loopback doesn't offer. Loopback's interface is much clearer. And also, um, there's some performance issues <laughs> where some of those utilities that I won't mention by name, when they're running, my whole Mac is slow. Mm, oh, and that <laughs> isn't... So good. <laughs> <laughs> and and I can keep loop back on and it, it is fine all the time. So it's it's uh it's a it's a good one. For some somehow, 
seven percent of the vote was cast for forecast. Yeah, isn't that nice? And uh, I'm not sure how how that many people. Uh, it's just Marco voted again and again. And again. Maybe, maybe and Casey voted again and again and again. Um, I think. Well, I think you chose Bear, and the people chose Bear, so Bear is the winner. I think so. I think it's a good winner because there is some. This is super niche. They're just look. This is the problem. There just aren't a lot of new Mac apps. Anymore. It's true. It really isn't. It's true. There I picked an unreleased beta, Mike. I picked an unreleased beta <laughs> and a pile of scripts and a pile <laughs> and of an scripts Apple feature <laughs> and, and loopback. Yeah, an OS feature, a pile of scripts, and an unreleased application made it into yep. the into the category there. Yeah. Oh wow. Thank you to Encapsula for for supporting uh, the newcomer Mac app. Game of the Year. Now, this this is always an interesting one because Game of the Year on Upgrade is not Game of the Year on Remaster or Disruption. Right. Uh, game of the Year here is very different because me and you play very different games. I tend to play the games that you play, but you don't always play the games that I play. Definitely which make, not. Because I'm more of a gamer than you. However, this Certainly. is the list of Game of the Year. No Man's Sky. Now... A lot of people would say, how dare you, but I love No Man's Sky. Uh, yeah. But it's in there. Uncharted 4, Pokemon Sun and Moon, Firewatch, and Job Simulator. They were the picks. Yeah, and, and I added one late that didn't get uh, that didn't get added. Job Simulator I didn't see on my list either. I think you, you added that late. I added that. So. I added that. What did you add late? Inside. Inside. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the game of the year is the highest percentage of other votes ticked, with 21% of votes for yeah. other. But there was nothing that really came out in there which was bigger in voting than any of the other categories, so I didn't break them out. But it doesn't surprise me, because we have a, a an esoteric list. We have a game that was um, widely panned, No Man's Sky, but I loved it. Uh, a Pokemon game, which is... Uh, you know, it's not even a, a a main console game, but I think very important. Firewatch, which is a short storytelling game. Job Simulator, which is a VR only game, um, and then we have Uncharted Four as kind of our only big, what would be considered in the game of the year categories at like Polygon or something. Now, I'm gonna say no. I actually add the I added Job Simulator late, and it's actually gonna be my vote for game of the year. 2016 was the year of virtual reality, right? It's one of the big technology themes of the year. This was the year where it first started to be a thing that people could have in their homes. And of all of the games I've played on all VR platforms, I haven't had as much fun as I've had in Job Simulator. It is a game set in 2050 where you are going to a human museum because the world is run by robots. And the Human Museum is a set of interactions, uh, like uh, interactive exhibits, where you get to play the part of the human in human jobs. You can play in an office, in a car mechanic, in a store. Yeah, I played in the convenience store. Oh, you played Job on, Simulator? On Twit, on Twit uh, or on the screensavers. Oh, we did a whole VR yeah. segment, and I was, uh, I was like getting the hot dog out of the out of the bin and stuff and how much fun is job simulator like it's, it's pretty fun yeah, because my favorite thing about this game is if you think you can do something you can do it like there is an office game and if you and you, there's a photocopier in it and if you put your hand in the photocopier it well it doesn't make a photocopy it actually reproduces any item that goes into it which is because it's funny like because a lot of it is 
how would robots have interpreted us? And it's like they see it as a copy machine in that it will copy anything. It's uh-huh. hilariously funny. There are all these little jokes. There's tons of like little quips in there and things you can find out. It's hilarious to play and it's a ton of fun. And everyone that I've had tried Job Simulator has got as much of a kick out of it as I have. So I'm going to go with, with Job Simulator, um, even though I will also cast a vote for what I think will end up being our game of the year. What is your pick? Um, my pick is going to be my late, my late edition oh, as well, which we is ruined inside. This one, didn't we? We, we did. We totally blew it. <laughs> totally blew it. Uh, inside, uh, which we did an incomparable episode about, um, is uh, I, I don't even want to say too much about it. It is a side uh, scrolling, um, side scrolling game that uh, so you're just going from left to right. Uh, you can't, you know, there's no depth to it. It, it is amazing though. It is, it is uh, from play dead. Uh, it's got lots of surprises. I don't even want to talk about what the surprises are. You start out and you're running and somebody is chasing you and the story progresses from there in increasingly surprising ways. And I don't want to say that there's a plot twist because there isn't a plot twist. The story just keeps changing and progressing as you go the play mechanics are fun i played it in like five hours four hours it's i think john syracuse calls these the artsy fartsy games Mm -hmm. you know it's not a triple a console title with um you know with 40 hours of playtime or something like that and that's fine with me because i kind of don't like those games these are the developers of limbo um which is available on ios this is a uh this was a console and steam game and uh i thought it was great so Limbo uh, two. incomparable 318 is the episode where we talked about it yeah limbo two or is it limbo zero Ooh. Mm. but it's very good very good game the upgradians voted with a 34 percent majority for firewatch with other coming in at 21 percent and then uncharted 4 coming in at 14 percent now i would happily give firewatch our game of the year yeah me too because it's a game that we have both played and both really enjoyed. Um, Absolutely. I have not yet played Inside, um, and I'm not going to play it for a long time because I had a, a spoiler. I know the end. Uh-huh. So I want to try and forget it before I play it. It's the same okay. with Journey. I did the same with Journey. I, I got spoiled um, and then waited for many years before I played it so I would be a bit more fresh to it. So mm. Firewatch, it's got to be. I mean... There, it's a fantastic game. I really, really enjoyed it. It's another of these artsy fartsy games, um, yeah. but also we have the tie to you know the Mac community and yeah, the through, Apple through community Panic. through Panic, who who kind yeah. of funded and I guess helped with the development of the game. It's made by a, a game studio called Campo Santo, which Panic are in, heavily involved in. It's like a, a symbiotic relationship. It's I, I don't know the complete details. I don't really think they talk about them, um, but I know that there's financial backing there from Panic. Um, absolutely fantastic game with a really great story. One of the games that really made me think a lot this year and actually feel something. Um, so Firewatch is, has got to be our, our upgradey uh, winner for game of the year. Yeah. Next up, if you were wondering where are all the iOS games, well, they're in their own category with iOS game of the year. This list here: PewDiePie's Tuba Simulator, Mini Metro, Super Stickman Golf Three, Inks. Pokemon Go, Really Bad Chess, 
And Super Mario Run. Super Mario Run added late in the category because we've had this voting up for longer than that game has been out. There's yeah. a couple of games in there that I want to just um, give a shout out to in case you've not heard of them. Um, PewDiePie's Tuba Simulator is just a silly free-to-play game in the usual style of waiting for timers to complete, but it's made really well. It's the best of these types of games I've ever played, um, and it's made with a lot of humor. If you enjoy PewDiePie's work, which I know that maybe for listeners of this show, there might not be that many people. Um, <laughs> I am one of the people that does, um, and uh, I think this game is 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 an example of what is good about Felix, um, the, the, who is PewDiePie. This is where he shows his smarts rather than his stupidness, and I prefer the smart guy as opposed to the, the crazy guy. Um, Inks is another game. It is an absolutely beautiful pinball game um, in in which you have to shoot a pinball into colors and then when the pinball hits the colors it draws the color wherever where it goes around the pinball table it's absolutely beautiful huh. can you explain really bad chess really bad chess i wrote about this at six colors it is a chess game and i you know i'm one of those people who thinks chess is kind of boring i learned how to play it and i was really interested in it for a short period of time and then i realized like i just I don't have the the focus for it. I don't like I just I'm not I'm bad at it. Um but really bad chess is a great spin on it because it uh it's a chess game where you get a different or sort of a random assortment of pieces. And uh the way that it you level up basically is that you start with a huge power disparity between you and your opponent. And then over time, as you win, the disparity gets less and less. And there are also like daily and weekly challenges where everybody plays the same board. Um, So you can have one where you've got like two Queens and four Knights or something like that. And, uh, and a bunch of pawns and, you know, and three castles and, you know, or Rooks, no matter how you say it, I was simplifying there because people don't know what the Rook is. It's a Mm -hmm. castle. The knight, it's a horse. Anyway, um, I learned about... So if you know how to play chess, but you find chess kind of boring, really bad chess is actually really good. So it's a lot of fun. Really fun game. Jason, cast your vote for iOS Game of the Year. I think the iOS Game of the Year came late to iOS. It was on other platforms before, but you know what? It's Mini Metro. I really love Mini Metro. That is my that is my game of the year. I I still go back to it. It is a it is a you know transit simulator sort of, but you it's got this pleasing kind of background sound that changes as you play, and the iOS interface is perfect for it because you're drawing connections between the different. Uh, metro stations as your city grows it brings back the all the things that i loved about something like sim city but it's simple uh and it never gets too complicated beyond what um what the basics are the city gets bigger and there's more traffic but uh, it never gets to the point where you realize that you know you you've got to learn all these other things that are a whole ever extra level of complication they keep it simple which mm-hmm. means it's kind of zen like and i really like that about it my only complaint about it is that they have not yet done what they've said that they would do on ios which they've done on other platforms which is provide an endless mode which is basically after you die in the game that you just get to keep playing and building your city because as we found with alto's adventure actually which got an update to do this this year sometimes you don't actually want to play the game 
uh, from the beginning. You just want to keep playing it. And it, it, the point is not to rack up the high score. The The point is to sort of reach that kind of enjoyable state where you're playing. It's what the SimCity developers used to call a software toy, where it's like you're not really playing a game anymore. It's just like a toy you're playing with and having a good time and feeling good. And and yeah, software toys. Yeah, that was Maxis always said that, that SimCity was more of a software toy than a game. And I think that's accurate, right? There's there's kind of no way to win, really. Um, and I think Mini Metro would do well to have that on iOS like it has on other platforms where you just keep, you know, when it's done, you built the city. And it's sort of like, it's sad because it's over. And it's like, no, no, I want to see what happens next. I don't care if it doesn't count for my total points or whatever. I just want to keep building the city. And uh and I would like to see that, but it's a great game. I, I made a video about it on Six Colors. It's great. I I love it, and that is by far my favorite iOS game this year. I'm not picking my favorite game. I'm picking a game that I think should win, and it shouldn't win because it's a good game. Pokemon Go. Um, Pokemon Go is not a good iOS game. No, it's not. It's not even. It's not even really a good game. Neither is Mario Run. Oh, Mario Run's maybe a good game. It's not a good iOS game. It, well, it's a good Nintendo game on iOS. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah that's what it is. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, what it, it is, it, right? But like for the, for, the, you know. for the values of good Nintendo game, which include that the part that's good is the game part and everything around it is junk, just like on Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's actually, it is mm-hmm. a perfect simulation of an. It's everything yeah. I like and dislike about Nintendo on iOS. But that's Yay! all they could ever anyway. do. They could never do it differently. I know. Pokemon Go is a phenomenon was a phenomenon you know yes. maybe isn't so much now but there has never been an ios game that was able to do what pokemon go did and i, I don't agree there will ever be another one I think it's a shame that they squandered it, right? Because they 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 had some aspects of it they got exactly right to make it become a success, but they couldn't do whatever was required to keep yeah, it. I would say squandering is not the right word. Um I would maybe say that they just couldn't capitalize on it. Okay, that 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 works too. Yeah, that there should have been more. The world should have opened up after a month or so, so people yeah. would keep playing it. And they they seemed to not have any cap. It, it took them by surprise to the point where they they were just trying to keep their heads above water rather than doing what they needed to do. I don't think they were able to do anything yeah. more. Yeah, the, I agree. the things that would have been needed and the things that will still come to that game could never have been done in the time frame that was required right. whilst also trying to put out the fires in their service infrastructure. Well, that's 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 exactly it. Its success sort of killed it before they could do things like add you know player versus player and yep. a little better leveling so that you know if you weren't in if you weren't the hardcore grinder at Pokemon Go but were more of a casual player you couldn't you know you couldn't battle because mm-hmm. you're you know you were too lo- low level and you know there was it was it was very apparent from the beginning that, that it was going to hit a wall and, if they didn't make changes and i think the server demand meant that they didn't have the ability to make changes fast enough it's too bad but i do think it's the future of gaming i think that i think that there will be more games that do pokemon go and do it better and that will change uh, mobile gaming by by doing stuff like this i do think we'll see more of this yeah the idea of of you know the streets in big cities all around the world being flooded with people catching Pokemon. That was always going to be a flash-in-the-pan thing. Just maybe the flash was a little bit shorter than it could have been if the game was actually designed better to begin with. Like, it was never going to be that that in a year's time everyone was still doing this. It's people that always would be. You know, that people will continue to play this game for a long time. I have friends that still play it. Um, I just got bored of it as I do many, many games, really. Like, I'm somebody who will play a game for a long time and then just stop. 
and and they may, may not have ever finished it. I just get bored of it and move on. But like the the thing of Pokemon Go is there was there's just never been anything like it, and it cannot be ignored. I feel like it had to be spoken about because you know I would go to a park and everyone was playing, everybody, you know, it, it really really was a, an absolute phenomenon. Now, I really love Mini Metro. I really love Mini Metro. I'm I'm very set on Pokemon though. Well, that's fine because um, the listeners are with me. Yep, we're gonna go with it. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to bend, so I'm happy that the listeners are with you because I don't want to bend on this one. Here's here's what I would say um, is best. You know, I I view this as a best of the year category, and yeah. I can't endorse Pokemon Go as a best. I can agree with that. I can agree with that, which is why I'm not going to try and convince you to go with Pokemon because I I think Mini Metro is probably the highest quality or one of the highest quality games released this year. So I am very happy for it to win the upgrade. But I I just think you you know, and as we haven't, you just can't overlook the the phenomenon that is Pokemon Go. So, Mini Metro is the winner of the 2016 Upgrade Award for the iOS Game of the Year. Hmm. Now we move into one of the two categories that I have very little to say in, and that is the favorite movie category. The nominees for favorite movie this year are Star Wars Rogue One, Arrival, Marvel Civil War, is it Captain America Civil War? Civil Captain War? America Civil War, yeah, I think so. Doctor Strange, and uh, for some reason, Batman vs. Superman. Uh, <laughs> LOL in brackets. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah. JK. Um now the reason that I can't help with this is I've only seen one movie on this list because oh, Mike. I just I, I don't know what happened to me, but in the last couple of years I just don't really see movies anymore. Um I don't know why that is, but that's just something that changed. Uh so I will pick Star Wars Rogue One. I really liked this movie, but it's the only one that I've seen. Um, okay. I'm disappointed that in myself for having not seen Civil War and Doctor Strange, because I love the Marvel superhero movies. Um, I maybe I have to make that a New Year's resolution to try and see more movies this year. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a that's the easy kind of New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. See more movies. Enjoy something. Yeah. So, Entertainment. <laughs> the the listeners, the upgradians, they also went with forty four percent for Star Wars Rogue One. However, yeah. Star Wars Rogue One was winning this category in the week before the movie came out. It was suspicious, wasn't it? So I I think, I mean, I don't know how this is going to make the Upgradians feel, that their vote should not count in this because I feel like there were people that were voting for that movie out of just love for the franchise. And frankly, I think I liked the movie, but I think it under-delivered on mm. what, I, what I expected it was going to be, which was like, this is going to be as great as Force Awakens, which it wasn't. It was a really good movie, but it wasn't a really good Star Wars movie, in my opinion. Hmm. I really liked the movie a lot. I really did. But it it didn't live up to the expectations that I had for it based on how good Force Awakens was. Yep. So my my pick is not going to help here either because I picked Arrival. I think Arrival was my favorite movie of the year. I'm happy for Arrival to win because I know that people really, really like it. Plus, it was the second place winner for the Upgradians. Um, and I wonder, you know, if, if people were voting 100% honestly how it would have gone. But I've seen I've seen a lot of buzz about Arrival from people that I know that really like movies and whose opinion I trust on it. 
Um, so I'm happy for a rival to win the upgrading. That's fine. Um, I would be happy for uh, for Force or not Force Awakens. Yeah, Force Awakens again uh, for for uh, Rogue One to get it uh, because I did like that movie, but it wasn't you know it wasn't my favorite movie of the year. So I'm curious about the um, Star Wars votes. I'm analyzing the spreadsheet right now and finding out who voted. Oh yeah, wow. Well, no, that was that was quite a lot. So when when did it when did it come out? It came out on the sixteenth. Mm-hmm. No, there are, there are, I would say, Mike, there are there are a lot of votes in here from okay from after then. I'm just saying, yeah, I, I'm sure that's the case, but uh, I'm not sure how many there were before. But we put the voting up, I think, about four or five days before, and it was winning by a landslide at that point. Yeah, that's true. There are definitely some votes in there that would have to be thrown out. But again, I'm happy for Star Wars Rogue One to to win it because I really did like the movie. You know, like say it may if I saw all of these movies, I may think it was the best movie I saw this year. But like, it wasn't the best Star Wars movie that I've seen in the last two years. You know, right? Um, but yeah, if you want to go with Rogue One, we can go with it. Well, it it, it was the listener choice, mm-hmm. and it was the um... it's my choice. <laughs> <laughs> the mic choice uh, by default, mm-hmm. which is the least exciting way to win anything. Let's yep. okay. I'm doing some key data analysis here. So okay. Rogue One came out on the 16th of December. Yep, we're discounting right. all the votes prior. <laughs> yeah, so that's 103 votes that we received before it was released. That's a lot. It's like a quarter of all votes cost. So if I remove those votes, it only has 100 and five votes which is still more than the second place number okay but do you see what i mean that's like half of the votes that it received were or before it was were released before it was released and not all of them were at the red carpet premiere not everybody some i'm sure a large percentage. or are from todd vaziri at ilm who has seen the movie a few times so upgradians we gave you a big opportunity this year <laughs> don't make oh, us take it away dad. from you oh, next no. year you disappointed dad mm-hmm Star Wars Rogue One. Yeah, sure. Wins the upgrading. Told you did a great job if you're out there. Yeah. Now, we move on to uh, our favorite Mike at the Movies of the year from Upgrade. We on- I only uh, took uh-huh. the voting from Upgrade. Now, my intention for this category was for people to vote for their favorite segment, not the favorite movie. And I don't think I made this clear enough. So we had three votes here, because we only did three Mike at the Movies this year. We're going to have to change that for next year. Yeah. Gremlins, Home Alone, Wrath of Khan. I chose Gremlins because it was the most fun that I had out of the three of these, because the two of us just got to be up on a movie together, which is very different <laughs> to the way yeah. that Mike at the Movies tends to go. So I enjoy Gremlins a lot. Now, I believe, my, my inclination here, because the yeah, Upgradians voted 46%... Home Alone, 36% Wrath of Khan, and 14% of Gremlins. My belief here is that people voted for their favorite movie out of that selection. Huh. That's my feeling. Just because, like, the Home Alone one was fun, but I feel like the Gremlins segment, the Gremlins episode was better than the Wrath of Khan episode because we had lots, a lot of laughs. I um, I liked the Wrath of Khan episode a lot because mm-hmm. it was 
I was really under the gun with that one because that is one of my very favorite movies of all time. You were flying close to the sun there. (laughs) Yeah, and you went into it like Star Trek movies, what? And uh, with with nothing to with dread is how I went into that movie. Yeah, and you and and you ended up liking it, which Mm -hmm. was like that was that gets like I get extra multiplier points for having survived that. I agree. Grays of the sun. And so that, for me, I felt such great relief. And also seeing that movie through the eyes of someone who has never seen it before was fascinating. I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. Gremlins, uh, it's hard to mix the feeling about that we had a fun time sharing our dislike for it by the fact that I had to watch it. That's true. I mean, I've, I would happily <laughs> go with Wrath of Khan because I agree with everything that you said. Because uh, for me, it was a great thing because i was really dreading a movie and then i actually went in and, and enjoyed it on its merits of being a good movie not yeah how about this that? was a good star wars a uh, star trek story uh-oh yeah uh, in the because, early 80s yeah you're you've just turned off the entire audience but yeah john syracuse has thrown down his iphone right there just, no everybody's it's so many broken devices uh because yeah. i i don't really have a lot of star trek knowledge hence I know. why i get the names mixed up so yeah i've got should go Rafikon. Wrath of Khan segment in uh, Mike at the Movies is the upgrade of the year. Um, we now go into the category where I have literally no vote. Yeah, that's fine. As as every year. The favorite book. Every year. Yep. Favorite book category is brought to you by Squarespace. Enter the offer code upgrade at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store, or maybe you want to create a portfolio of your artwork. Maybe you want to create a blog, or even a podcast site. Squarespace is the only one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace have got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need anything. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've used Squarespace for many years for my own projects and I recommend it for other people's projects as well. Especially if somebody comes to me to say, hey, can you help me get a new website set up alarm bells ring because that might mean you're on the hook for this thing for a long time point them to squarespace because you can help them get it set up if you want to have your hand in helping but then you can hand them over to their 24 7 support squarespace plans start at just 12 dollars a month you can sign up for a free trial of no credit card by going to squarespace.com when you decide to sign up use the offer code upgrade to get 10 percent of your first purchase and show your support for this show thank you to squarespace for supporting upgrade squarespace Make your next move. Make your next website. Books. All right. So favorite favorite book. This is we can go quickly through this. The uh, the Upgradians votes were kind of uh, all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, no clear other uh, left led the category. Other includes blank. By the way, I think that's how that works. So yeah. Okay. Great. It it's uh so I'm just going to mention some books. We'll put a link in the show notes. I wrote at the end of December a piece on six colors about. Uh, my favorite books, and Dan Morin wrote for his favorite books of the year. All of these are listed in there, so you can check them out. I will very quickly say my three favorite novels of the year were 
Uprooted by Naomi Novik, which is a uh, a fantasy novel. It's very good. The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin, which is a, a really great sort of told in three different uh, perspectives uh, story about this kind of apocalyptic world with these... Um, uh, they're kind of like mutants. They have the power to like stop or cause earthquakes. Um, and they're treated badly by the people who don't have powers. And it's, it's way more complicated than that, but it's so good. It's the first part of a trilogy. The third book is coming out in August. The second book is very good too. So that's the fifth season. And, uh, you know, well, I, I have a lot to choose from for my third favorite of the year. So let's just leave it at those two. There, there are three other books that I'd tie for third. And then on the nonfiction side, I will mention three books that I really liked in nonfiction this year. Uh, a book called The Etymologicon, which is about uh, weird words and where they came from. A book, uh, thank you to Dan Warren for that recommendation. A book called History of the World in Six Glasses, which is from an editor at The Economist, which is uh, a, a kind of story that I really enjoy, which is uh, find a frame in which to tell sort of the story of uh human civilization or scientific development or things like that going back to like james burke's connection tv series which i really loved connections um history of the world in six glasses the idea is you can tell the history of uh, human society and development through three through six different drinks starting with beer and moving you know beer and wine and spirits and tea and coffee and coca-cola and it's very <laughs> good and uh, for baseball uh, fans out there, Ahead of the Curve by Brian Kenny, which is a great, uh, I think, clear description of what modern views of baseball and statistics and, and what they tell us that you could you could uh, uh, give that to a friend who who likes baseball but doesn't understand about like fancy sabermetrics kind of stuff. And I think you would find it engaging and um and uh, a good explanation of it. So those are my those are my choices. My favorite book of the year was The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. So The Fifth Season by M.K. Jemisin wins. Yes. The Upgradian, Upgrady Book of the Year. Which is just basically my book of the year. Yeah, that's how it works. That's fine. <laughs> that's how it works. That's how it works. Aloha. Hello. Best Apple-related gadget. So this includes Apple's products and products that were created just to work with Apple products. And we have in our list here the iPad Pro 9.7 inch, which was released in March, the Logitech Create keyboard case for the iPad Pro 9.7 inch, the iPhone 7, the MacBook, known as the MacBook One or the MacBook Adorable, the Apple Watch Series 2, the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar, and a late entry, the AirPods. Mm. I want to know what you think. What is your best Apple related gadget of the year? First off, I want to dispute this category a little bit because it's all Apple products except for the Logitech Create. And I think maybe that's not fair for Logitech the way that this was done. When we have a non-Apple gadget category next, maybe it should be in that category instead of this one. Maybe we need to, to, to change the parameters of this category. In years past, this category has had more non-Apple accessories in it. Yeah, but that didn't happen this year. So that that seems that seems tough because I really like that, uh, that keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um my choice is the AirPods. They were a late entry. I think it's the best Apple product of the year. I think it's a great gadget. I think yep. it's uh, it's everything that is good about when Apple uh, builds, designs, products, envisions how they're going to be used, uses technology that's not quite possible, takes a category that existed before but outdoes it uh, with the details. And yeah, I've only had them for about you know two weeks now, but uh, I think it's I think it was the best product that Apple released this year. In a year where Apple products have been disappointing, 
the AirPods show that they still had the ability to make magic. Yeah. Like the the stuff that we love them for, you know, like doing all those little things. This is the stuff they call magic and everybody makes fun of them for saying or magic, but they do feel like magic. When you nail it, Mm -hmm. this is what it feels like. Yep. And they did it. And I agree with you completely. However, you say about Logitech Create, it's my pick. (laughs) Because, I mean, we're probably going to give AirPods the upgrade. Um, But I haven't, you know, I've had like nearly a year with the Logitech Create now. And I love this thing because I really love my 9.7-inch iPad Pro. It is probably my favorite thing that Apple released in the year because I really didn't have enough time with the AirPods in 2016, like a week, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that the 9.7-inch iPad Pro is a fantastic device. I agree. The Logitech Create elevates it because it is a real keyboard. It's not like the thing that Apple makes and... It's not like this huge mechanical thing, right? It is a case which, yes, adds bulk and weight, but not too much. It's not it's not crazy, right? Like, it's not what the Logitech Create does to the 12.9. It doesn't make it heavier than a regular laptop. But I have amazing real keys, you know, keys that feel like real keyboard keys with a media function row and, like, a home button on the keyboard and backlighting with no battery, no Bluetooth, and it also has a pen integrated pencil holder. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yep, I agree. So that's my vote. The listeners, they voted for the iPad Pro 9.7 inch. At Very tight race over the iPhone 7. With the iPhone 7 at 24%. Yep. I have a proposal for you. <laughs> this is shenanigans are happening now. I, if if the Logitech Create was in the next category, mm-hmm. I would vote for it. I I agree with what yes, I understand where you're going with this, right? Because but, I feel like it doesn't belong in this category this year because these are all Apple products except for it, and the, the other is, category though, is all other tech products. I don't think it's going to win the next category, so we could do it, but it still wouldn't be my vote in that category. What is wrong with you? I know, I know where get, you're I, going with this. However, yeah. it does appear in a later category. All right, well... I, it appears in most life-changing hardware. I think it's the AirPods. I think it's got to be the AirPods. As much as I agree with you about that Logitech Create Keyboard, one of the things about being a user of the, of the 12.9-inch iPad Pro is, as much as I love that product, its, it's uh, surface area makes it a bad match, f- and its weight makes it a bad match for keyboards, and it's hard, been very hard to find a, a single keyboard. Federico and I talk about this a lot. A single keyboard that can solve like all of the use cases for the for the big iPad Pro. And I feel like the Logitech Create for the 9.7 nails it. Like that is the keyboard for that product. So again, like whilst I this is my personal winner, I also think AirPods should win this. All right. Because <laughs> AirPods are more general. They're for everyone. This isn't for everyone. This is like a small slice of a niche product. Well, yeah, but so is Audio Hijack. It is our, po- it is know, our awards. I we know. can do whatever we want. And I know where you're going with, with me. And we'll see. We'll talk about the next category. We'll see if we'll maybe shift it in and, and, and do something unprecedented in the upgradees. But I, I do want the AirPods to win this category, right? Like, I, I want that to happen. It's just not what I put at the top. Just because of... 
the length of time I've had them. Um, but I'm more than happy for AirPods to win it because they're brilliant. Yeah. So the upgrade for best Apple-related gadget, which will probably be renamed next year to best Apple gadget of the year, is AirPods. Now, yeah. we come to best non-Apple gadget. So this is just technology at large. And the nominees are Canary, the PlayStation VR, the Amazon Echo, which is eligible for this list because it was not released outside of the US until 2016. Okay. The Kindle Oasis, the Ananova sous vide cooker. Yes. The Amazon Echo Dot, which was a 2016 product, the Sonos Play 1, and the Google Pixel. Uh The Upgradians voted for the Amazon Echo with 31%, with the Google Pixel coming in at 16%, and the PlayStation VR at 14%. Where does your vote go? Now, you go first this time. I've been going first too much. You go first. PlayStation VR. The PlayStation VR is great hardware with some weirdness. I think version 2 is going to be even better. But the reason that I, I go for this is, again, I mentioned it again like I did with Job Simulator. One of the big trends this year, 2016, is virtual reality. And PlayStation VR brings a great VR experience with convenience at a price which is not unobtainable. Because, I mean, yes, you need a PlayStation, which, you know, it takes the price of the PlayStation VR and doubles it, right? So you're probably about $1,000 in for the whole thing. But if you want to get your hands on an Oculus or a Vive, they're about seven dollars to $800 for the hardware. Then you need a PC capable of powering it, which will run yeah. you probably around 1500 And then you have to have a PC in your house, which you might not necessarily want. A PlayStation is a lot smaller, can fit in the living room, and also can, you know, unlocks PlayStation games. And the thing is, if you don't have a gaming PC, you probably don't want to play PC games. You're probably good with console games. That's kind of my feeling on this. If I wanted to play PC games, I would already have a PC capable of playing them. I want to play console, and now I have my PlayStation 4, which I play lots of regular games on, and I also have a great VR experience for it as well. And I think that PlayStation VR is the most comfortable. I've tried all the headsets. I think it's the most comfortable. Um, I think, you know, if you're going to say what is the best one, the Oculus is the best one, especially with the touch controllers. But the PSVR is is unlocked virtual reality in homes where I think there's something like 50, 60, maybe million PlayStation 4s in people's homes already. And the current PlayStation 4 will run the PSVR. So it's it's an investment which people will be willing to make in the holiday season, for example. It's expensive, but it's 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 not unheard of because it's the cost of a console. Right. Um, it costs how much a, a games console costs. It doesn't cost four games consoles, which is what you'd need for PC VR. So that's where I'm going to go. Ah, oh, Mike, 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 Mike. Well, this is you. You heard my enthusiasm for this category. I'm I I'm been lobbying to get the Logitech Create keyboard in this category because I would vote for it here. You want to move it? Honestly, well, it, it's not gonna. If you're not gonna go, if you're not gonna go for it, then I'm not sure it's worth it. There are some other fine products in this category. My experience with the PlayStation VR, I've tried that in the Oculus. Um, my experience is brief. Like I said, I did. I used it to twit. I don't have a PlayStation Four, so. Um, I for me, I have to buy the console and okay. the VR stuff to do well, it. So I'll tell it's, you, you know, if if we weren't bringing the Logitech Create keyboard into this category, where would your vote go? 
Uh, I would probably, uh, you know, I would consider the uh, Ananova sous vide cooker because that is <laughs> probably my favorite gadget of the year. It is, it is so so like an Apple product. The box is like an Apple product. It's this, you know, metal and black plastic, and it's got a, it's got Bluetooth, and the, the new one has Wi-Fi as well. And uh, and then you cook things with it. But I would probably agitate for the Echo and Echo Dot together because the Echo was new in the UK, and the Echo Dot, which lets you attach it to any sort of speaker it was new this year i believe and those are both uh I, i'm a fan of the the echo uh system eco echo ecosystem and nice. i think amazon's done some very clever work there that has left google and apple and others catching up to them and uh i, I like those products a lot so that would probably because it's more techy then the sous vide cooker, I would probably mm-hmm. be my my choice would be to lump those together. I think lumped together, those uh, two products end up with like forty two percent of the upgradians votes too. So there is no edition of the upgradies without bargaining. That's true. No, that's part of the process here. Most awards shows, the bargaining happens behind the scenes. Yep. The Eddie Awards, we had meetings. There was bargaining happening. There was you're trying to get a, a majority to come to one thing or another, right? The, the proverbial smoke-filled room, right? Well, this is it. We, we do it for you right on the show. So here's the bargaining. Okay. I really like my Echo, but I don't have as much affinity for my Echo as I do my Logitech Create keyboard case. Mm-hmm. I like that more than the Echo because I still have ways to go with the Echo because I've not yet currently got it set up for any home automation stuff. I think if I had all my home automation stuff set up, I would probably go with the Echo. Yeah. Should we bring the Create case in? It's fine with me. Let's do I think it. It's a great product. So, the Logitech Create keyboard case has its Kanye moment. It's burst into this category and has won in a category it was never even nominated Not even in. nominated. Congratulations no. to the Logitech Create keyboard case for the iPad Pro 9.7. You have just won best non-Apple gadget. And upgradians around the world shriek in horror at what yep. we have just done. Uh, but the Echo is folks. in another category <laughs> later on. So right. it can still come away with a win. Now, we have a category here which is really interesting, and I want to go into it. Okay. Which is the worst gadget or most disappointing technology. These are our nominees. The Galaxy Note 7, which you can imagine would be in here, but also the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar, the iPhone 7, the iPad Pro 9.7, and the Apple Watch Series 2. Let's talk about this. Why are all those products in this category? Well, they came out this year. And uh, people, the Apple products, they came out this year and people complain about stuff. So I put those, they, I mean, you can make an argument about the MacBook Pro. People were clearly disappointed with that. Uh, everybody's always disappointed with the iPhone. I don't even know why. Uh, I don't know why people would be disappointed with the iPad Pro 9.7. That's a pretty great product. But again, it was an Apple product that was released this year. And the Apple Watch Series 2, did the, I, maybe they wanted something different, shape different, different features, cellular connections, things like that that it didn't offer. Uh, or they just don't like the Apple Watch because everybody who doesn't like the Apple Watch feels they need to write a column saying, yep, I still don't like the Apple Watch. So I thought I would put those in there. Personally... I think that there is only one selection here. There is only one because winner. of what happened this yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, there's only one winner. Right, the, the Galaxy Note Seven is without a shadow of a doubt the worst gadget released this year because 
because I mean, I just watched a great MKBHD video today where he did his smartphone review of the year. He said this was probably the best phone release this year. Yeah, but it blew up. Yeah, and this is this is why it's so. This is why I like I consider it both the worst gadget and the most disappointing because exactly. it went from being the best phone in the year to being a phone you could be put in prison for owning. <laughs> <laughs> if you happen to have it with you on there airplane, has yeah. never been a a peak and valley like that before what yeah what what a uh what a story and you know and 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 it's got some classic elements too of like the reason it was so cutting edge in so many different ways is because apparently they pushed it faster and further than they than they uh should, should have. have right mm-hmm. so it's not like it was oh uh you know act it's a, an act of nature caused it to fail what a what a bad luck for samsung it's like the nope. the stuff that they did to author this great success were in fact the seeds of its failure but there are a lot of apple products in here and there's only one of these that i have used that i can see disappointment in and i want to talk about it just a little bit all right so i've said it in a few places recently but I, I just while we're on this subject i just want to touch on the iphone 7 Okay. I really like my 7 Plus a lot. I like it as much as I like any S revision phone. This wasn't one of those. This is a full-on yeah. number change revision. Yeah, except it's really like a double S, it turns out. It's like out, a double right? S. Which is, I think, from a, from a disappointing perspective, I can understand that. And the reason that I expected more is because Apple set the precedent. They set the precedent, right, of the TikTok model, you know, and, you know, they set the precedent of every full numbered phone gets a new design. I was expecting a new design and we didn't get that. And to be honest, we got some stuff, right? We got a better camera. Um, If you're using a plus, you got an even better camera, right? And we got it's faster. What else did we get? I don't know. There aren't really any other tentpole features, (laughs) <laughs> and what happened? Jet black. I Jet don't, black. That doesn't count for me. <laughs> and what happened is we had things taken away, which has never happened yep. before. The headphone jack is gone. Headphone jack, sure. And you know, people say, "Oh, but we got AirPods." But we could have had those anyway. We uh-huh. didn't need the headphone jack to go away to get AirPods. And <laughs> my home button. I, re- I do. You know what? I will say now. I prefer the feel of the Force Touch home button to the other home buttons that I have in my life. I do too. As I've gotten used to it, I prefer the feeling. But yeah. do you know what I lost? I lost a button that was 100% reliable because hmm. this one isn't. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Like, And this isn't, you know, I have two things with this. I have one where if you don't make a full, you know, contact with it, the capacitive ring doesn't activate. The other is sometimes you press it and it, the phone just locks up. And that didn't happen before. And I don't know if this is an iOS 10 thing, but I'm going to blame it on the home button. So, and also, you know, saying how great the camera is, it didn't ship with portrait mode. I, th- I think the iPhone 7 was disappointing this year. Um, it is a, a really good S revision. It is not a really good full revision. Um, so I think it was worth mo- mentioning because... I mean, I don't personally, you know, and this obviously is my opinion. So I think this—I don't know how you could argue with that. Like, I—I I don't really know what it gave us. 
Well, it's Apple's biggest product, and they took it from a two-year cycle to a three-year cycle. And mm-hmm. rather than rather than just never holding an iPhone event in the fall, leaving us all to wonder what was happening, like they did with many Mac products this year, they had an event and announced a new phone and even called it the new number when, in fact, what they were really doing was the third year of an existing product cycle rather than doing a new phone design on, you know, every other year. It doesn't make sense to me why they called it a 7. They should have given it a different name. If they wanted to move to the three-year cycle, which I understand, I think they should have also broken the naming. But I, I know why they didn't do that, because they probably thought that it would harm sales, but yep. I, I don't know. That's I just wanted you. to say it. You know, I, I, re- I really like it. I really, I really like it as much as I love an S-phone. But the, the, you know, the, the, the thing is about it, the thing that makes it weird for me is that no iPhone has taken things away from me before, but this right. one really liked doing that this year. And I will only... It got uh, waterproofing. That's the one other thing it got. I will say that. It got waterproofing. It's the other feature. I will cite the 20% of our voters who voted for the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to revisit it here, but it was very interesting that everybody was really uh, unhappy about Apple not talking about the Mac at all. And finally, Apple did a Mac-focused event and released new Mac hardware. And the result was controversy and frustration. And... I think that there we've covered it in depth. There are many routes to the um, the frustration that people have felt in certain parts of the Mac using community about what Apple has not done and not done with the Mac before and after releasing this product. Uh, there are lots of reasons. It's a complicated situation. But I think you don't have to go very far to say that uh, a lot of people were disappointed in the MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. We can argue about rightly or wrongly and who those people are and lots of other things, but you can't argue that it was, to some people, clearly a big disappointment. And we saw it in our voting results. Yep. But as far as I'm concerned, the rags to riches to rags, whatever, the 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 legendary story of the product with so much name recognition, people are saying it several times on every flight that goes anywhere in the world now yep the samsung galaxy note 7 both disappointing as you pointed out and the worst gadget of 2016 there's never been anything like this before (laughs) no let's hope there never is again i hope so too and i hope so for samsung's sake that they're able to to pull back from this because apple needs that competition i think oh yeah favorite tech story of the year these are our rundown for nominees of our favorite tech stories. Snapchat Spectacles, the exploding Galaxy Note 7, Apple versus the FBI, Twitter's tumultuous 2016, the rise of VR, the Pokemon Go craze, and the <laughs> election slash WikiLeaks slash Russian spy ops debacle. I don't even know how to, to group those things together in a phrase, but that's what yeah. we have. Listeners voted for Apple versus the FBI as their favorite tech story. And and I'm assuming, you know, in the way that I do, this is the thing that you found the most compelling Uh throughout the year. Um, I went first last time, so I'll go first again. Uh, Snapchat Spectacles is my, the thing that that really wrapped me up this year. Um, I think it's one of the most interesting introductions of a product that there's been in modern times, in like recent times. You know, the way that they dealt with their limited supply problems by putting them in vending machines that appear in random locations has been really interesting to watch unfold. And Snap have created a scarcity thing, which I haven't seen 
in this way since the Wii was introduced. You know, the the idea of like people just wanting to buy it because there isn't a lot of them. Uh, yeah. and, and everything that they've done around it, all of the, the, the graphic design, all of the videos that they've made, the way that they're dealing with social media, um, you know, the way that the way that they announce the the positions of the vending machines is random like, you know, they they show like a zoomed out map to show you kind of what city it's gonna be in and then just tweet a picture of it in its location and then people have to go find it. Technology products don't do this. But this is a technology product. I think it's been really, really interesting to watch unfold. Um, and it's just been something that I've been kind of fascinated in. So that that's kind of my vote. Just because I, this has been a topic that's interested in me enough, I wanted to bring it up here. Um, but I, I think that I will probably end up siding with you and the, the Upgradians. Because I, I sure. expect you're going to go the Upgradians route, which would have, which is my second, in all honesty. I... I uh... All right, I, I I will I will say without getting into it, maybe we can get into this some other time. But I I uh, I, I think the Snapchat spectacles is one of my least favorite stories. I think it represents in some ways all that is wrong, right. and bad, and stupid about about the technology industry. I think it's a I, I think it's a dumb stunt that okay. we've seen the <laughs> likes of before. I think the product's not that interesting. So good for them on getting PR out of a product that's not that interesting. I think the company has some is problematic in a bunch of ways, but you know, maybe I'm just a cranky old man, but I hated that story. <laughs> so there so you go. Uh, here's the thing. People on my side that hear that say that you're a cranky old man and people yeah. on your side that hear my story just think that I'm a silly millennial. That's like yeah. the, and this is this is why I think it's a good story because it's so polarizing. Anyhow, yeah. Apple versus the FBI? Yeah. What a story, right? Like as far yep. as technology stories go, this had it all, you know, yep. and and, yep. It, and it's not over yet. That well, that's that's I think what makes it even more important is that this is this is maybe not the first shot, but this is a very notable interaction between technology companies and governments about what information is private to people. And what information can be accessed because the government has decided it wants to read, you know, read through your stuff, essentially. And in the olden days, there were laws against unlawful search and seizure. And then on top of that, you had this idea that you couldn't be compelled to give information that was in your own mind, basically. And there, were, and in the modern context, it's difficult to parse out where we are with those things now uh you know when when is access to our cloud data okay when is you know do, is that an extension of ourselves is that an extension of our homes um it threatens the tech industry because so much tech is based on cloud stuff and if cloud stuff is is eventually considered to essentially be uh, entirely public and viewable by governments and potentially bad actors as well, or governments can be bad actors too, but like bad independent actors, criminals and the like, um, then you've eroded the confidence in the machine that drives so much of technology. So mm -hmm. that's in the mix yeah. here. Apple's commitment, uh, Apple has a lot of money and a lot of prestige and, and unlike some of its competitors has a commitment to keeping its customer data private. Um, that's interesting because they end up as a proxy, as a really good proxy for the entire concept of technology being used to ensure per people's privacy and how that pushes against the desire of governments and other 
organizations and actors to want to get access to information, no matter, you know, basically break any lock. And if you create a lock that's impenetrable, what happens next? Do they make the locks illegal? Do they create lockpicking equipment that they don't make the public aware of? There's so much here. And, you know, I got to say, it's it's not, this is just the beginning of these yep. issues. It will continue and it will continue to be ugly. Yep. And it could potentially uh, have severe harm for our society and severe harm for our technology. Let me be clear. I consider this the most interesting tech story of the year. I just really wanted to mention the Snapchat thing. <laughs> right? I did, well, well, you know what I didn't say there is, and you, Mike, you with your yeah. vending machine of sunglasses. And the, you know, I, okay, I get but, it. But we're, rep, I'm rep, we're representing both sides here, and that's what I was looking for, is we have Absolutely. the fun stuff about technology, product releases, and then we have the how it affects all of our lives so deeply now, which I think when both me and you, and we're starting from different times, right? But when both me and you became interested in technology, it didn't matter so much. Yeah. Right? Like even me, you know, 15 years ago or whatever was when I really started to get into this stuff. It didn't matter as much. It yeah. wasn't so intrinsic to our lives. And now the Apple versus FBI thing is a, is a is a clear example of how Getting access to the technology that I own tells somebody everything about me. Yes. Things that I couldn't even tell you, right? Because of how, like, algorithms work. You know, the, the, my, my, the data on my phone can tell you more about me than I could possibly tell you. And that's super interesting. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to say on that one. No, I think I think that's I think that's exactly right. I was thinking the other day that you know there was a time um, where we would be on the internet and we would be like, yeah, you know, trolls on the internet, commenters on the internet, people say dumb stuff on the internet, whatever. It's just something you deal with. But once everybody has the internet, um, that stuff that you used to be like, ah, eh, you know, it happens. People, what you gonna do? Things I learned like on Usenet in the like late eighties and early nineties suddenly are enough to affect like the direction of countries because now it's magnified because it's everybody when before it was just a few people in the basement of a college campus somewhere. And uh, yeah, that's what a world we live in. So we're now on to favorite tech screw up of the year, which is a great category name. Um, I know. And these are our, these are our nominees. Uh, Apple tweets all of the iPhone seven announcements early. Yeah. Samsung galaxy note seven. Just that's it. I mean, what do you want? Yeah. Twitter releases experimental features early to iOS clients. Facebook fake news and Apple disbands the Apple script airport teams and gets out of the display business. So let's talk about these. Yeah. If you remember uh, for the September event, you didn't see this because you were in the room. Apple would kind of uh, clearly done a deal with Twitter, clearly yep. done a deal with them because they set up this account which had these ads and then it had that thing which would remind you when the event was coming but none of the tweets were showing and then what some of the tweets that that were clearly meant to be ads for the iphone 7 just started being tweeted from the at apple account as the event was beginning before anything was announced so if you were watching at home you knew every single feature of the iphone 7 before apple showed it yep categorical disaster yeah. for both companies which 
if we see, I mean, as you can see, didn't happen in October. <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to happen again <laughs> because Twitter totally ruined this. I assume that it was on Twitter's side um, that somebody was scheduling this and doing it for them and, and just absolutely destroyed it or their tools weren't good enough or whatever. Galaxy Note 7, it's obvious. I mean, and again, like 59% of the upgrading vote. If you put this in any of these types of categories, it's going to walk with it. But going back to Twitter again, they've done this a few times this year where they think they class... This is why it's so. I think it's so terrible. Things come out to the to Twitter app. People think that it's an abomination and shouldn't be done this way. Like removing the names, like from app mentions, so it just looks like a random tweet when it's actually to yeah. somebody. And then Twitter say, "Oh, it was an experimental feature we weren't supposed to release." So it's terrible on both sides. Either they did do that, which is ridiculous, or they're using such a terrible excuse to try and cover up a product decision that everybody hated, which shows that yeah. they have fundamental misunderstanding of how their product should be working. Facebook fake news. There are a lot of political yep. stuff I don't want to get into, uh, but Facebook <laughs> seems to have a fake news problem, which they yep. are struggling to get under control, either from a policy perspective or from a technology perspective. And then Apple got out of a lot of businesses this year, or looks like they're going to. Right. This is my pointed way of putting this in the screw-up category, yeah. right? Uh, Apple getting rid of the Apple Script team and uh, airport teams and saying they're not going to make any more displays on their own. I think people could argue that those are, are bad moves for Apple. I don't know if I would necessarily cross the board, but you know, I think it's worth being a nominee here. Whether you think that's a bad move or a good move, um, there isn't anything to say that good has come out of this. That could be the screw-up, right? Like... In a year where we've been upset, there isn't anything to say like, oh, it was a good reason to get those people in other teams. You know, maybe next year we'll see the fruits of that. But this year we haven't. It's like, okay, you got out of all these businesses, but what have you given us in return? You know, nothing. Galaxy Note 7, right? I think it has to be, although I was going to throw in a late a late uh, right. addition here, a late nominee. I was thinking about this, and I thought, you could argue that one, that potentially the biggest tech screw-up of the year was the bad email practices and clicking on phishing links huh. that led to all of the hacks of the, uh, the Democratic National Committee that mm-hmm. got leaked by WikiLeaks. And that the screw up was all of the bad uh, security practices that led to it. Um, I was thinking about that. I'm not sure I want to vote for that one either. But that was a yeah. huge tech screw up that Let's had a, that in there, a major effect down on route. the election. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I just I, I, I mean, talking about your that. tech screw ups. That's like literally, uh, you know, IT people everywhere mm-hmm. just face palming. Right, the whole when they when the whole story came out about how this all happened, it was like a lot of this was not super high tech. No. Just, just real super simple phishing stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Some social engineering, some really dumb things that people weren't supposed to click on. And this is a case where, again, you have. I mean, this so much of the intersection with tech and politics. What you realize is the people involved in politics don't understand tech. Also, the people who understand tech don't understand politics, politics a lot of the time. Yeah. And and you see it here where they're not speaking the same language. And you've got people who are tech knowledgeable people who look at this and go, I can't believe that these people did this, but they didn't, you know, they did. They didn't have the support to do it. I think it's got to be a galaxy note, right? I mean, it's just across the board. What a year. What a story. 
it's yeah, it's just cleaning up this year. The Galaxy Note Seven. This was where <laughs> my my one hundred percent vote was going. Like I wanted to throw the iPhone in there and see where the, the votes went. But for me, the Galaxy Note was always getting this. Yeah, and it got sixty percent of our uh, of our upgrading in votes. So. Yeah, because look at it. Yeah, favorite tech podcast is sponsored by Casper, the company focused on sleep that has created the perfect mattress that it sells directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. It's a really comfortable mattress that you might lay on when you're listening to your favorite tech podcast. You know, it maybe helps you go to sleep when you're listening about processors. Who knows? Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers, and it passes those savings directly onto you. Mattresses will often cost over $1,500, but a Casper mattress costs from $500 for a twin size, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, or $950 for a king. And this is for mattresses that are made in the United States of America. Casper's award-winning mattress was developed in-house. It has a sleek design and is delivered in an impossibly small box. And Casper now offer adaptive pillows and soft breathable sheets as well. The mattress combines springy latex and supportive memory foam to create the mattress that has just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design helps you regulate your temperature throughout the night. Casper deliver their mattresses in a box. This is a box that you can actually get upstairs. Mattresses are difficult to maneuver around staircases. Casper mattresses can be done. I mean, it's still as heavy as a mattress in the box, but it basically means that two people can easily do it without kind of trying to reenact that scene from the Friends episode with the pivot thing. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be it. You don't have to shout pivot over and over again with a Casper mattress. And their delivery is free. But it's also risk-free as well, because with Casper, you will get a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, you can return it for free, in so much as they will come and pick it up from you and then refund it. They want you to truly sleep and live with this mattress before you truly commit to keeping it for the next 10, 20, 30 years even. So you get that 100-night home trial with Casper. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash upgrade and using the code upgrade at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for their support of the third annual Upgrady Awards. The nominations for favorite tech podcast are The Talk Show, The Accidental Tech Podcast, Cortex, Connected. Your show. Your show. Control, Warp, Delete. Clockwise, your show. My show. Rocket, Six Colors Secret Subscriber Podcast. My your show. show. We didn't put Upgrade in here because obviously Upgrade <laughs> would win. Right? That's why Upgrade's not in the list. Yeah, that because be if a... Upgrade was in the list, it would always win. Always win, yeah. And that feels unfair. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Tiny bit. So I'm going to throw mine in now. Now. Okay. The Accidental Tech Podcast has won the Upgrade two years in a row. Mm-hmm. I love ATP. I love all of the hosts of ATP. But I wanted to throw a spanner in the works this year. Okay. It received 48% of the upgrading vote. Yep. It's probably going to win again. <laughs> but probably. I wanted to take a moment to talk about what is probably my favorite tech podcast at the moment, which is the Six Colors Secret Subscriber podcast. Aww. I am being truly honest here it is the only tech podcast that i subscribe to that when i see the push notification from overcast i go ooh and bump it to the top of my queue hmm. obviously i like 
listening to Jason Snell talk about technology because I <laughs> wanted to here do a show with you, right? Like, and yeah. you and Dan Warren together obviously have a really great chemistry. And the thing about the secret sub- subscriber podcast, which, by the way, you have to be a Six Colors member to be a part of. And in the show notes, when you click the link for secret Six Colors Secret Subscriber Podcast, it will take you to the member page for Six Colors, where if you sign up, which you should, you will get a, a link for the RSS feed so you can listen to the to the Six Colors show. It's the relaxed nature that I like. Um, a lot of technology podcasts that I listen to, including the ones that I am on, they tend to be uh, uh, very high in... I'm trying to think of a way to say it, but it's like, it's just not as relaxed. Yeah. They're just not no, as they're, relaxed. They're, they're, they know they're doing a show and they're formatted and they've got yeah. a schedule and they've got they've got, they've got segments and a theme so song. So it makes it and real it's different up. because yeah. it's like, it's not, I mean, you know, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't feel tightly edited. It feels a little <laughs> bit more not. like the shows that I used to listen to. And just yeah. as the industry has matured, the things that come out on top tend to be the stuff that is really thought out, really considered, really edited for good reason, right? Because it tends to be stuff of a higher quality. But now the Secret Subscriber podcast is like a breath of fresh air from what I'm used to. And so whilst I will say that ATP is probably the best technology-focused podcast around other than Upgrade and Connected and Cortex and Clockwise, of course, and Rocket... Uh, you know, but whatever. I, I, I can't cast my votes for any show that, that I'm a part of and or is on my network. I feel like I can't do that because that's clear bias. Uh, but I love the Secret Colors, Secret Subscriber podcast. The Secret Colors as well. It's a long name. It's a very There's long an extra name. color. Yeah. I can't tell you what it is. It's secret. What's your vote? Well, you just made it impossible for me to vote for myself, which is too bad because I could totally just pick the Six Color Secret Subscriber podcast and it would be the winner, right? You could, and it would win. I mean, you can still do that, but I can't vote for, I feel like I can't vote for myself. But you just recused yourself, so that uh-huh. makes me look bad if I do that. So I thought about this and I, I, I'm going to go with ATP. There are only a couple of podcasts that I listen to every yep. episode of and yep. I listen to them when they come out. And ATP is one of them. That is my go-to technology podcast even now. It is a a great bit of chemistry between those guys. I will admit that this fall has been a little bit rough because Mm -hmm. um, Marco is unhappy with things and it comes across. And he... And John's unhappy with things too. And and they have every right to be unhappy. And what I don't want to say is um, that I only want shiny happy podcast right because it's like no i i i am listening for all of that but i also will admit that every now and then they get stuck on something and i love it because usually you can hear casey sighing in the background um it's hilarious um every now and then they get stuck on something that they can't let go that that bugs them and for me as a listener i'm like okay i get it okay i get it and you know what? Chapter markers that Marco wrote a tool with chapter <laughs> markers in it. I can just move past those things. But I've done. I didn't used to do that. And this fall, there have been occasions where I'm like, yeah, okay, I've heard enough about this, and I will, I will go ahead. But still, you know, it doesn't change the fact that it, that's the one I listen to every episode of. And 
and and yeah. it's always a high priority of all of them. And I pick and choose through all of the other tech podcasts uh, here and there. As a non-commuter, I don't have the luxury of having a lot of podcast time. And ATP is the one I make time for. So, yeah. So, so I agree, right? I subscribe to mostly technology podcasts. ATP is the only show that I will listen to, every, except for the Secret Subscriber podcast as well, actually. But ATP is the only show that I will listen to always, even when it's like two and a half hours, right? Like I'll push everything yeah. else aside because Absolutely. ATP is the show that I want to listen to the most. The reason I chose Secret, the Secret podcast this year is I didn't want every vote for the last three years yeah, for sure. me and you to be for ATP. It's a little Soviet, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's going to win again. And so for the third year in a row, oh. ATP takes the upgrade for the best technology podcast. So I yep. will just say to the hosts of that show, it's about darn time that the upgrade appeared on your website. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. I have great artwork files. You're a three-time winner now. It's time to, to recognize the award, is all I'm going to say. Just a little follow-out in the next episode. You can I will give you the artwork. You can put it in as a chapter. It's got to appear somewhere now. You've won it three years in a row. That's what I'm going to say. All right. Well done. Favorite non-tech podcast. This is the category with the most nominees. It's as follows. The Flophouse, The Incomparable, Reconcilable Differences, Hello Internet, Presidents Are People Too, Hello from the Magic Tavern, The Podcast, Audio Guide to Babylon 5, and Serial Season 2. Yep. Where is your vote? Well, I put in a lot of ones that I wanted to show some love to, especially The Podcast, which is a podcast where um, they draft things, which, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you know me and drafting things. Um, Hello from the Magic Tavern has really risen up. Uh, this year, I, I, uh, it, it's not quite at the the top level. I'm sort of digging through the back catalog, but I really do love that podcast a whole lot. Definitely recommend it to people. But I, ha I have to say, I'm boring. The Flophouse, it, like ATP, those are the two podcasts that I listen to immediately upon receipt, and every episode all the way through. The Flophouse for sure is still my favorite podcast of all time. Hello, Internet took the popular vote. At 40.6%. Yeah, unsurprising. Did Hello Internet win one year? I think it didn't because in the first year, I think you and I were at, at odds over the Flophouse. And I house. think I gave it to you, didn't I? And, and I then think in, you gave it to me. And then in year two, I then started you could, I listening. converted you. Right. So Hello Internet takes the That's popular vote with Aloha Flophouse coming in at second, Reconcilable Differences coming in at third. It's going to be a three-time yeah, you're going with a flop house. I'm going. I'm going with the flop house. The flop house was my oh. pick. No right. podcast makes me happier. I know it just makes me laugh and smile. I love those guys. I listen to old episodes of the flop house every time I get on the airplane. For some reason, it's only oh. it's the only podcast I can listen to on an airplane. I don't know why, but I I just again. So there are the secret subscriber podcast and the flop house are the only two shows that i will stop whatever show i'm listening to and listen to that one interesting so they will cut in over anything the flop house is just a delight and i would say to our listeners if you haven't yet tried it try it just try it just my advice to you is go through and find some movies that you've seen and listen to those ones. That's how I started. 
Interesting. And it worked. I mean, because there are people That's that how will I tell you too. to listen to specific episodes because they're sure, the funniest. To the head. But they're yeah. funniest if you already know the flop house, I think. No, that's how I started. I, I, I started with like Cowboys and Aliens and mm-hmm. um, oh, uh, Limitless. They are the two that I started with as well, actually. Oh, Cowboys yeah. Cowboys and Aliens and Limitless. Like, just go through, find some movies, got a big catalog, find some that you've seen. Um, because then you already come to the show knowing something, which is the movie. Uh, and I think that helps a lot. Yeah. Favorite podcast newcomer. Ah, so this, this is, is a, a good new one. show in 2016. And we have. Dubai Friday, Mixed Feelings, Emoji Rap, Ungeniused, Presentable, Six Colors Secret Subscriber Podcast, Buffering <laughs> the Woo! Vampire Slayer, and Jonah Carey, the Jonah Carey Podcast. So Dubai Friday um, is a great show with uh, Merlin Mann, Max Temkin, and Alex Cox, which yeah. kind of grew out of their show, which was not about Top Chef, but was supposed to be about Top Chef. Right. Um, Dubai Friday is they call it a weekly challenge podcast. They have a thing they have to do every week. Um, and then they talk about the the way that they deal with that. Uh, Mixed Feelings is a new show to Relay FM that I really love and we're really proud of. And it's kind of our biggest topic diversion that we've been on. It is a show mostly about news and politics and it is uh, hosted by two new podcast hosts as well, which we we're really happy about that we got to bring a couple of maybe unheard voices in. And they are Quinn Rose and Gillian Parker. And they are a great team. Um, and the show is really entertaining, and it is the way that I learn about the outside world. Um, emoji mm-hmm. Rap, friend of the show, Jeremy Burge, started a yeah. podcast about emoji, and it is surprisingly good, right? Because a podcast about emoji is like, <laughs> can that can that be good? But yes, Jeremy is very talented, and he makes it good. Um, Ungeniused, which is a show that I am on, which got the popular vote with 32%. Now, I will say, Upgradians, thank you for that. I honestly didn't expect that. Um, and that, that means a lot to me, and I'm sure it will mean a lot to Stephen, because that is a big chunk of the vote. Um, and Ungenius is what I call a podcast snack. The episodes are typically never longer than 15 minutes. Um, and the one that we put out for Festivus, which was a lot of fun, you should go and listen oh. to that. Jason makes a cameo. Yeah. Um, it is a show that me and Steven are trying to push outside of our regular boundaries with, which is why yeah. we do fun things with it. It's a good show. Presentable is Jeff Veen's show. I sometimes can't get my head around the fact that Jeff Veen is a host on Relay FM. Uh, <laughs> it kind of makes my mind melt a little bit. It's a great show about design. Um, we've been over the Secret Subscriber podcast. I don't know the next two. Uh, Buffering the Vampire Slayer is a new podcast where... Um uh, two women, one who is really deep down into it and one of whom is sort of coming at it fairly fresh, rewatch Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning, and it is my favorite. It may be one of the best podcast titles I've seen in a long time. <laughs> it's they got a great title, they got great art. Um, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my favorite TV show of all time, and and uh, one of the two hosts is a uh, is a music artist, and she composes a song about the contents Whoa. of every episode at the Whoa. end. And and in fact, you if you search on iTunes or Apple Music, you can find they released, they finished the first season and released an album of all the songs from the first season, but they're also at the end of the podcast episodes. Yeah. I kind of wish now that I'd watched Buffy just so I can listen to this show. Well, if you ever uh, ever want to give it a try, the beauty of it is you can watch and then wa- and listen to a podcast about the episode you just That's saw. a big commitment though, man. Yeah, it's true. 
What's it's your... Jonah Carey. Jonah Carey is a sports writer. He used to be a business writer. He actually worked with um, my friend Philip Michaels, and I think maybe with Lisa Schmeiser too, at Investors Business Daily. Um, but he's a baseball writer. He's from Montreal. Um, he wrote a great book about the Montreal Expos and a really good book about the Tampa Bay Rays and uh, sort of like a, almost a sequel to Moneyball in some ways. And he has a podcast now on uh, the Bill Simmons Podcast Network. So that's his new new home. And it's uh, it's good. He interviews a lot of people, a lot of sports people. There's some entertainment stuff in there too. And Joan is just a really smart, uh, smart, good guy. And I like everything he does. And that's a that's a good podcast for like a sampling of of a uh, 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 baseball stuff, which I like, and some other stuff too. And uh, he did a great podcast with one of the announcers for the Giants, where they uh, they they basically after a game was over, they just sat down in the booth for like an hour and talked about sports stuff and it was great because jonah knows people and has great access and is a smart guy so i wanted to nominate that that's a that's a new one that i really have loved this year and what's your vote um favorite podcast new i I gotta say my vote goes to buffering the vampire slayer i really love that that is a fun entertainment that's a good tv uh tv watch podcast and there are there are ways to do that well and ways to do that badly and they they uh they they do it well then we're back in this what realm. I'm going with Dubai Friday. I love Dubai Friday. I love the premise, and I love that most of the show tends to not be about the premise. Yeah. Because I lis- I was a Top Scallops listener. I'd never seen an episode of Top Chef. Yeah, and I didn't. I think it's great that they've got this premise now because I didn't listen to Top Scallops because even though I wanted uh, like a podcast with Marlon Mann and Max Temkin, that sounds great, but it was uh, about Top Chef and. I aggressively do not care about Top Chef. So I just blew past it. Even when people said, oh, it's not really about that. It's like, yeah, whatever. And I never and I never got to it. So when they changed it to Dubai Friday, basically, um, that's a great idea. And Alex Cox is great. I, I had, fantastic. I met her briefly at XOXO, but I got to spend a little more time with her at UL. And then we had her on Clockwise, and she is fantastic. And so that is a, an extra little uh little bonus and i like the idea of you have to do something you have to perform a task yeah. it's a great it's a great thing it's a great name great premise yep. um so i don't know where we go with this well let's give it to dubai friday that's a great one awesome uh, i was kind of hoping you'd say would go with the yep. audience vote so i would win an upgrade but nevertheless sorry uh, dubai friday is where we will go so at least i get my pick as the winner so uh, dubai friday is our favorite podcast newcomer um, I'm really happy about this because it's a show that if you haven't listened to, you should. Um, and start from the start because there aren't that many episodes. Um, it's really, really brilliant. And, and I love it a lot because I have great respect for the three people that host that show. And as a trio, they work really, really well together. So you should go and check it out. Um, I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> Most life-changing hardware is our final category for the upgrades of this year. And the nominees are as follows. The Canary Home Security System, the Logitech Create Keyboard Case for the iPad Pro, the PlayStation VR, the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, and the SoundBot Bluetooth Shower Speaker. (laughs) The the SoundBot Bluetooth Shower Speaker, Jason knew was so obscure that when he put it in our original nominations document, he included a link to Amazon so I could go and see. Yes. Uh huh. I want to know about this because I want a Bluetooth shower speaker. So I'm hoping you can tell me this thing's so amazing. I'll just go buy it. Well, we mentioned him several times. I'm going to mention him again. And we we've said on past shows that you know you talk to Marco and you buy things. 
Uh, this is a Marco Arment recommendation, which oh, is... Oh, if, if it's a Marco recommendation and you're recommending it, then I'm buying yeah. it right now. Yeah, so it's this dumb, cheap Bluetooth speaker that's waterproof or water-resistant. It's got a suction cup on it. You charge it via this dumb, uh, you know, it's like a mini jack thing, but then it's got a little gasket over it. And it, le- But the battery lasts quite a while. And, and the best part about it is, you know, when you take a shower, you just stick it to the inside of the, you know, the, the glass or on tile or wherever in the shower. And instead of, I used to listen to podcasts in the shower and I had a speaker, uh, actually a, a Play One, on, on the outside. And I would, I would crank it up so that I could hear the voices clearly on the inside. And I, my house isn't that big. The walls are kind of thin. You basically could hear the podcast in the entire house while I was taking a shower. And now I have this little speaker, and the way it works is actually it fires downward. So um, you stick it on the glass or the tile or whatever, and uh, it plays and it bounces it off the that surface because it, it bounces it down, and then it comes back out. And it's got little waterproof buttons on the front, so you can make it louder, you can skip, you can pause, you can do all of those things. Um and it's great. It, it really is. A, it, it is a life-changing bit of hardware because now I can listen to the, my podcast at a more reasonable volume and they're clearer because the speaker is right by my ear instead of through a pane of glass in an echoing through, uh, you know, sitting above the toilet, echoing through the bathroom. So it's uh, I know it's silly, but I think it counts as life-changing hardware. So my vote in this is the Canary home security system. Because it's the piece of technology that's made the biggest impact to my life this year. Because it gives me peace of mind about the state of my home. Mm. And it really does. Um, you know, I, I kind of, I don't know why, but I just gotten into a little bit of a phase where I, whenever I was leaving the house, I was concerned about the house. Um, maybe this is part of adulthood, I don't know. Uh, just as I started to own more yep. things in the world, I started to get more thoughts about those things, something happening to them. And the canary will not only alert me when it finds something weird going on, I can also just check in on the house whenever I want for live video feed. Um, Honestly, it's basically a flawless technology product for what I needed to do. I've never had a problem with it, not once. I've just moved home and it was fine and it just understood everything. All I needed to do was just change the address so the canary knew where it was and it was like nothing had ever happened. It's fa- just fantastic. I like a lot of things about it. I, I used a drop cam for a long time, and the advantage of the Canary is I, I think actually that it has this sort of cylinder. You can plop it somewhere. Um, its field of view isn't as good as some of the other products are, but it's not bad. Um, it's got some other sensors in it. I, I wish it was more integrated with other like third-party smart home stuff, and they seem to be opening that up now, but for a while it was kind of only kind of on its own. Um, but it's a good product. I, I use that now. That's my, instead of the drop cam, that's the one that I use. Like when we go on vacation, I turn it on. I leave it plugged in, but in privacy mode. And then when, when we go on vacation, I flip the switch and I've got their, you know, I've got their video of events when there's movement in the house and stuff like that. Big, big fan of it. So the Upgradians went with the Echo at 45% of the I vote. I know, right? Um, and I'm happy to go that way. I am too. I think that that's a great choice. 
Um, we talked about it earlier when we were talking about the Amazon Echo and the Echo Dot, which adds some more flexibility. Uh, and the good job Amazon has done with that that ecosystem. I, you know, there are things I wish it did that it doesn't do yet. But Amazon has been rolling out new features all the time, which is impress which impresses me. I wish it was easier to make a simple web service for the Amazon Echo at basically basically if there's something that you a web a data source somewhere that you want to point at the Echo so that it, you can ask it a question and it'll read the data you kind of can't do that you have to build a whole web app using uh Amazon's app platform and all of that and that needs to change they need to they need to provide a, a, some sort of easier system than that but it's early days yet and I'm sure that they'll get there yeah, I, I like my Echo for the things that I use it for, but I know that I've not unlocked its full potential yet, and it's something that I'm planning on doing, so I know it's only going to make a bigger impact on my life as things go forward. Like, IFTTT just launched in the UK for, for Echo. Ah. So I've already done something now where I can give an audible cue to arm my canary. Oh, yeah, I have that for um, my, you know, the the lights outside the house and yep. for the lights in the garage. And I've got that for a, for my dehumidifier like Merlin. I now have a uh, Alexa controlled dehumidifier. <laughs> and what I also really like about the IFTTT stuff is you can you don't have to say like it doesn't have to be on the canary. You can give it a name. So like yeah. Adina likes the name technology. So we call our uh, canary Buster because he'll right. bust any crimes. Um, so I just say, like, I say, hey, cylinder, um, trigger, so you have to say trigger arm buster and it will do it. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. I really like it. So that is the end of the upgradies for this Ooh. year. Um, <sighs> it has been a blockbuster year. Um, the third annual upgradies are over. Um, I'm hoping this year somebody will display the artwork. We did get it last year. I think Ferrite, Ferrite put okay. the, uh, the upgradies artwork um, on their site. If you are the winner of an upgradey, we have artwork for you. <laughs> uh, you and we, you know, we've 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 got many treatments of the artwork, and uh, it's you know, yeah, it's, it's available. There. Call, it's call it's us, available. contact call us, call us, and we'll we'll help you out. Yeah, but I have got to say that allowing the upgradians in as the the voting, I think it's been a a big success actually. I agree. I think they did a good job. I will. I will overlook the Rogue One thing because we <laughs> we we stuck something in there by changing a category. I feel like everyone's at level now. Yes. We all did something wrong today, and we can all think about it again for next time. We can think about the things we might want to change. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for listening to this episode of Upgrade, the third annual upgradey awards if you want to find uh, all of the links that we've spoken about, all of the, every single thing today has been put in the show notes for you. Every nominee. So you can go and check them all out for yourself. And you can go and find that at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 122. That is where you will find the links for the upgrades. Oh, and by the way, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year, everyone. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Jason Snell. It felt special enough, right? The upgrades? It did. Yeah, it did. I did hope this was going to be the one. 